Well, a couple months ago, um, the Lord really put it on my heart, and I began praying and praying and praying and trying to discern if indeed this was of God or if it was just me. I even went so far as to buy brand new commentaries to help me prepare, and um, I really felt like God wanted me to preach on this, and then I kept putting it off and putting it off because I just didn't feel 100% sure. And then this week, it was amazing. This week, literally, have you ever have you ever had God just slap you in the face every time you turn around with something? I mean, every time I turned around on the radio, talking with friends as I'm reading the scriptures, the same name kept coming to my face. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm done. Yes, I promise I give. And that name is Isaiah. Okay? I have been putting this off for months and months and months. Why? Because I'm scared to death of it. Well, I have purchased, thank God I've got resources. I, had, I purchased over $200 worth of, com, of commentary books to supplement the ones I already had. And I spent this week, oh, probably 12 to 14 hours just reading and reading and reading and reading and reading. And um, I'm still not comfortable at all. <laughs> but the reality is, this is what God would have. And so we're going to start a trek through the book of Isaiah. Um, it may take six months. It may take a year. It may take the rest of the time I'm on this earth. It just depends on when God says we're done. Um, but I have... Uh, there, there are certain types of sermons that... Uh, that preachers can preach. Sometimes you can preach prophetic sermons, which are, you know, just right in your face, telling you how it is, what you need to do. There are sometimes that are, there's prayer, preachers will preach a prayer, uh, sermon of encouragement or being uplifting. There are times that preachers are called to preach what are called didactic sermons. And didactic sermons are sermons that teach. And most of the time, those are the ones that the congregation starts falling asleep through. Okay, so the reality is, get your pillows out now, because the rest of the time we're in church today, I'm going to be teaching, not preaching, okay? There's nothing I can do about it. I have to lay a foundation for us to be able to move into this book, and for you to be able to understand where we're going. So, I will do my best to not be boring and dry, but at the same time, i got to pass information to you, and it's simply in the form of facts. And there's no way to dress that up and make it entertaining. So, first of all, if you will, I was going to ask Cheyenne, but she begged off. And so, if I could get my wife to come on up, um, we have a handout. That'll give you something to stay alert with. Um, the very first thing I want to do is talk to you about the timing of this book called Isaiah. The timing of the book is, uh, is set. You can find it. If you turn, we're only going to look at one verse today of, of, of the Bible, and that's Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. So if you look at Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Now, you will also see in relation to Isaiah the name of another king. 
And that king's name would be Azariah. A-Z-A-R-I-A-H. Azariah. Azariah and Uzziah are the same person. Why are there two names? I don't know. My name is Robert Francis Sugden Jr. Most people know me as Bob. Last night, my aunt posted on Facebook, Bobby Robert, which is what my family called me. So I'm Bob, 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 Bobby Robert, Bobby Robert, and I'm all the same person. Uzziah and Azariah. Why? I don't know. Ask his mom. That's all I can tell you. But Isaiah was ministering during the time of these four kings' reigns. Isaiah. So if you look down on your sheet, okay, on the left-hand side, you see Israel. On the right-hand side, you see Judah. And the reason for that is after Solomon died, the nation of Israel split in two. Literally, they had a civil war, and the, the Israelites, which ended up becoming what are known as the Samaritans, and then the Judahites and some of the smaller parts of the, of the, of the southern part of the, of the nation formed what was now known as Judah. Okay, um, And you'll look down about halfway, you'll see in the right-hand column, Azariah, and in parentheses you see Uzziah. Do you see that? Halfway down the page? Because see right there, in 767 to 740... That's the reign of Uzziah, or Azariah, and then all the way down to Hezekiah, so Azariah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, 687. So this reign of these kings um, is when Isaiah's uh, ministry, or his prophecies, happened, apparently. Now, that's the best I can offer you, as far as some understanding of time. I don't have time this morning to go into anything more than that. But I want you to hear that Isaiah was probably quite young when he started this. And his ministry had to have been a minimum of 34 years in length. So from the time of the beginning of his ministry to the time that he died, he was... um, at least 34 years. It could, some people say it could have been upwards of 55 years. Who knows? And we're, you know, it's really not that important, but just understand that this verse dates this book and helps us understand it. Now, scholars like to argue about stuff. And a lot of people have tried to say that the book of Isaiah actually had two or three different authors. Um, if you study it, which we're not going to get into this this morning, but if you study it and go through it, they, they go on for page after page after boring page in their analysis and argument. Um, and the bottom line is, I don't care about all that garbage. Okay, The book is known as Isaiah. It is one solid book. And even Jesus himself quoted Isaiah. And so we can understand and trust that it was Isaiah, the son of Amos. As a matter of fact, uh, if you look at his lineage, Isaiah's lineage, the best that we know about him, he was of the tribe of Judah. He was of the family of David. His father was the son of Amos, 
I mean, his father was Amos. His grandfather was a guy named Joash. His brother, uh, who was the brother of Amaziah, the king of Judah. Okay? So if you look at this little thing here, just above Uzziah, or um, Azariah, is King Amaziah. And so, scholars tell us that Amaziah was the great uncle of Isaiah. So he was part of the, the royal family. He had access to the palace. He was very well known in the court of the nation of Judah. He had access to the temple. He had access to the palace. He was one of the mucky mucks in the community, but he wasn't an official. He didn't hold an office, but he was in the royal... It was kind of like being a prince, not the, not the heir to the throne. You know, you have all the privileges and the rights, but you don't have all the responsibilities. All right, so, so this guy named Isaiah, who's, by the way, his name means Yahweh is salvation. Okay? And this idea that we have one author whose name is Isaiah, and he lives all the way through these four kings. And the last king is Manasseh. And if you read the Bible about Manasseh, he was a nasty guy. He literally... Hezekiah did this incredible reform, turning the nation back to God and did all these wonderful things. And then his son comes in and basically trashes everything and and goes back to worshiping the bad guys. And and history tells us that Isaiah was actually put to death at the hands of Manasseh. But we don't have any proof of that. It's just tradition. Okay, so we've got a book that was written. During the, or that was the prophecies that took place during the reigns of these four kings. We got a guy named Isaiah who was a part of the royal family. And who is he writing to? He wasn't writing to all Jews. He was only writing to the nation of Judah. And, the, and specifically, the city of Jerusalem. I don't have time this morning to go into all of the, the historical stuff, but you need to understand, during this time, there was incredible political stuff going on where the nation of Assyria and the nation of Babylon were literally trying to, trying to take over all of these lands, and there were literally enemy armies that were, that were building siege ramps up to Jerusalem, trying to take over the nation of Jerusalem. During all of this time with Hezekiah and, and then finally with, uh, with Manasseh and on to that. So this was a tumultuous time in, in, in politically. And so these words were to the people who were under such great political pressure from their enemies around them. And the word of God was coming to them. Okay, So Isaiah's words were specifically to the people of Jerusalem and Judea during this horrible tumultuous time. Now... Uh, We don't have time to outline the whole book, all 66 chapters, but understand that the first five chapters of the book are kind of like a a preface. It's not the beginning of his ministry, it's before his ministry began. Because if you look at Isaiah chapter 6, which we're not going to this morning, but if you look at Isaiah chapter 6, that's where Isaiah first comes in contact with the Holy and when he says his vision is of God, and he says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, I'm a man, a people of unclean lips. And it says that the angel brought a coal and touched his lips and purified him, and he was able to then become the prophet of God. So chapter 1 through 5 is the stuff that happened before that. And it, again, it's just an understanding of placement of where it's at. And then finally, why do we want to even study Isaiah? Well, first of all, and I had never heard this until I started this reading, Isaiah is known among scholars as the fifth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Isaiah. 
Other, another scholar wrote that Isaiah is the Paul of the Old Testament. In his teaching that faith in God's promises is the single most important reality for the Lord's people, this is the heart of the first 37 chapters. So they're, so they're declaring that his ministry was similar to Paul in calling people's attention to the promises of God and encouraging them to put their faith in the promises of God. Number The second thing that this person said was he's also the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, of the Old Testament. And that's his proposal of faith as the sustaining strength of the Lord's people. Even in dark days, even in bad times, putting your faith in God. And so this hallmark of faith idea found in Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 basically. And they also said, the same author also said, he is also the James of the Old Testament. Because he insists that faith works by proving itself through obedience. It's not just a matter of having faith. It's a matter of putting that faith into action. So Isaiah is the Paul. Isaiah is the Hebrews. And Isaiah is the James of the Old Testament. And so there's, there's good things in this book that we want to read. Isaiah was the prophet of faith. He was the, of a faith that trusts the promises, of faith that perseveres through the darkness, and faith that obediently awaits the Lord's time. That was this, the summation of what this guy wrote in that one section. I'll repeat that. Isaiah is the prophet of faith, a faith that trusts the promises, perseveres through the darkness, and obediently awaits the Lord's time. One of the coolest things that I found in my study so far, and I, I wanted to, I was thinking about waiting until next week to open this up more, but I think I want to put this in your heart now, right at the beginning, because I had never understood this before. The name of Isaiah, excuse me, the name of God in Isaiah, primarily, the characteristic name of God in the book of Isaiah is the Holy One, the Holy in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, uh, let me read it to us. I said I wasn't going to read more than one, but I need to do this. It says, unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been like Gomorrah. The Hebrew word here in verse 9 that is translated Lord Almighty can also be translated Lord of hosts, which is Jehovah Sabaoth. Our sister Evelyn loves that name for God. Because Jehovah Sabaoth literally means the God of all of heaven's armies. Which means God has ultimate power. God has the ability to do anything that he needs to do. He is Jehovah Sabaoth and you can trust him. And so it says in verse 9, If Jehovah Sabaoth had not left us a few survivors, we would have become like Sodom and Gomorrah. The other name that's distinctive in Isaiah is the Holy One of Israel. It is used 25 times in all in this book. And it is almost the crux of the message. He is, God is the Holy One of Israel. But there's another name 
So he calls him Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth. He calls him the Holy One of Israel. But there's another one, and this appears only in Isaiah. He's the Mighty One of Israel. The song that we sang this morning, the Mighty One of Israel, comes out of Isaiah chapter 30. Don't turn to it now, you can look at it later. But the Mighty One of Israel... And this mighty one of Jacob is another way of calling him, calling God. But that one is also found in Genesis, Psalms, and Isaiah. And then there are other times in the Bible where it just simply says God is the mighty one. But the whole point of this is God, the almighty one, the one. And when he says the mighty one of Israel, it's the idea that God has not forsaken us. Now remember, the message of Isaiah to these people throughout all of these verses is there's incredible problems that we're facing as a people. Things are bad. It's looking really, really bleak. But you need to understand, if you will continue to put your faith and your trust and your hope and your obedience in the Almighty One of Israel, the God who is all God of all gods, the God who has resources beyond any understanding, the God who can do anything He needs to do, even in Hezekiah's life, He can make the sun go backwards if necessary. That's the God that you have protecting you right now, people. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter how bleak it looks. It doesn't matter how horrible things seem right now, if you will put your faith and your hope and your trust in Him and be obedient to His Word, His promises will hold true to you and you can and will overcome. He is the Mighty One of Israel. That's the message that Isaiah is trying to get through in 66 verse, uh, chapters. And unfortunately, they didn't listen. Truly, they didn't listen. Throughout this book, we're going to see different themes presented. God is holy. God is almighty. There's going to be talk about a branch. There's going to be talk about a stone, a rock, a boulder, light, children, messianic king, and servant. And we're going to be looking at all of these things over the coming months. <clears throat> and the last thing I want us to look at or know in this short little overlook of the book is that one of the key messages, especially in this first chapter of Isaiah that we're going to look at next week, mere outward ritualism does not satisfy God. Genuine change of heart is more important than conformity to any ritual. God, we've seen through other sections of the scripture, says he looks at the heart of the human. He's not so worried, and we're going to see it next week. He's not, he literally says at times, do I need to eat the meat that you're offering to me? Do I need to drink the blood that you're offering? No, people. We'll look at that next week. The reality, the message of Isaiah is he's almighty, he's powerful, he's omnipotent, he has resources beyond measure, but you've got to continue to put your faith in him and his, your hope in him and your obedience in him. 
And you need to do more than just simply play at it. Because fake rituals, going to church once a week, reading your Bible every so often, that doesn't cut it with God. He needs your heart. He needs you. And as a result, you have unlimited resources available to you to meet the needs. And you have the promises of God right in your lap. Because He is the Mighty One. He, as has already been said this morning, is the warrior who will go to battle for you. If you will continue to keep your hope in Him, and your trust in Him, and your faith in Him. Let's pray.